Today's number 10 in our series through 1 John. And if that's not a creepy picture behind me, I don't know what is. And as I show you this picture and focus on this, do you believe there is a spirit war going on right now? You will. Maybe right now today you don't, but I can tell you, you will. Today we're going to open chapter 4. 1 John only has five chapters. And guess what we find? False prophets and a spiritual war. John's warning about false prophets. So several times today I'm going to ask the question over and over. Do you believe in a spirit war? You will. I just hope that when you do, it won't be too late. Here we go. Verse 1, 1 John chapter 4. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is the same apostle that told us about the spirit of Antichrist. What did you think the spirit of Antichrist would come to do? There are many today that say they speak by the spirit. But what spirit? There are two. The spirit of God and the spirit of Satan, which produce the children of God or the children of Satan. All who belong to God live with the Spirit of Christ in them, commonly known as the Holy Spirit. All who belong to God, who have been born again through Jesus Christ our Lord, belong to God, and they have the Holy Spirit inside of them. But those who belong to the world, they have not been born again. They belong to the world. They live with the Spirit of Satan, the evil one, inside of them. Do you believe in a spirit war? You will. Notice that Jesus describes this other spirit as singular, a single power in the heavenly realms. In John, the gospel of John 17, 14, Jesus is praying to the Father. And here's what he says. I have given them your word. I want to hold it up. I have given them the apostles, I have given them your word, and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. I'm not asking you, Jesus talking to his Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from what? The evil one. It's a singular warning. Keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy. How? Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. And just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. So God the Father sent Jesus into the world, right? We know that from the Holy Scriptures. And Jesus closes this prayer by saying, you sent me, and now I'm sending them. But I'm sending them with me and the Word in them. Me and the Word will be in them. Keep them safe. Teach them your Word. And I'm sending them out with me, the Spirit, 
and the Word, which we will know today as the Bible itself. Do you realize that spirit powers can put things, thoughts into your mind? I remember years ago uh, watching Star Wars, those movies that came out, and I was always kind of impressed by the Jedis and the idea, it's almost a spiritual thing that they had going on in the, in the space. So Luke Skywalker's in this scene, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think that's what his name is, he's with them, and they're about to get arrested by these bad guys, and Obi-Wan does this, he goes, Vroom. And in that moment, he, and suddenly the stormtroopers start to think anything that Obi-Wan puts in their mind. And I want you to understand that while that's a make-believe story, there is such a power. And I don't even think he needs to go, it just, there's a power that can put something in your mind. Do you believe in the spirit war? Do you realize the spirit powers can direct your life by putting truth or lies into your mind and into your heart? That's why the apostle John gives us a specific warning. He says this, do you not believe everyone who claims to speak in the spirit? You must test them. What? Don't just trust anybody who says they speak in the spirit. You must test them to see if the spirit they have actually comes from God. Why? Because there's another source. There's, a, there's another power, another spirit, and they're at war with each other. For there are many false prophets in the world, John says. Your only protection against the evil spirit of Satan begins here. Your protection against the evil spirit that tells lies is to know the truth. And the truth you would find in the Word. But then to understand the Word, you have to have the Holy Spirit to even understand the Word. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. This is your protection. The Spirit of Christ and the Word. But understand something. Inside of this, the Word became flesh. Put that in your mind. The Word became flesh. John says, test the Spirit. Test the spirit. Against what? Test it to see if it's legitimate. Test it to see if it's a truth or if it's a lie. Is it a deception or is it reality? Test the spirit against the word of God. Test the spirit against the Bible itself. The apostle Paul connects the preaching of the word to prayer to the protection of the evil one in the spirit war. So Paul's going to write in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3 that he wants people to pray for him so that he would receive the protection to carry the word, the gospel, into these places that didn't know. So he's asking the people to come around him and pray that he might have protection so that he might complete the mission. And the mission is what? Uh, God sent Jesus in the world. Jesus now sent Paul and the church into the world to carry the word. So let's read that. 2 Thessalonians 3, 1. Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we ask you to pray for us. Why would Paul ask the church to pray for him? Pray that the Lord's message will spread rapidly. There's the word. We've got prayer and we've got the word. Pray that the Lord's message would spread rapidly and be honored wherever it goes, just as when it came to you. Pray also, pray too, 
that we will be rescued from wicked and evil people for not everyone is a believer. Do you see the spirit war? You see, Paul understood, pray that we would be rescued from the spirit war for not everyone's a believer and they're not gonna accept the word if they're not a believer. In fact, they will oppose us. But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you. Where's the protection? He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one in the spirit war. Prayer, the word, the spirit, Jesus, John and Peter all give us the same warning about the evil spirit of Satan, the evil one. And John says, test the spirit, but how? Okay, you got my attention. Not everyone is from God. There's another power. Test the spirit, how? Is there a specific test? Does the Bible reveal a specific test apart from the, the, the word itself, apart from prayer itself, apart from the Holy Spirit just revealing truth? Is there a specific biblical test to test the Spirit? Yes, there is. It's in today's text. It's in, so I'm going to read 1 John 4. I'm going to read the first three verses. It's in the same context. In fact, I'm going to put it in the context of the warning. Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. Okay? So here comes the test. This is how you can know if someone has the Spirit of God. If a person claims, claims to be a, claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus came in a real body, that Jesus came in the flesh, that Jesus became a man, God became a man. That person has the Spirit of God. But what if they don't? Verse 3, but if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge this truth about Jesus, what truth are we talking about? That Christ, the Messiah, came in a real body. In a real body. And I'm going to get into that in a moment. If someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has, are you ready? The spirit of antichrist. So there's a test that you can find out if the person is, the spirit comes from God or the spirit of antichrist, which you have heard is coming into the world. And indeed it's already here. Do you see the spe specific test? Jesus came in a real human body. Now, you might hear me say that and say, okay, I don't have a problem with that. No, that's not where you're going to have a problem. Well, some people do, but that's not where I'm seeing the problem in the American church. The Word became flesh. There's where the problem comes. The Word became flesh and blood human. The New American Standard Bible, let me read that verse two from men. It says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses, every spirit, there's, there's spirits. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. God in the flesh. Jesus is God in the flesh. Let me put it like this. Jesus is God with skin on him. Does that help? 
Jesus is God with skin on him. And let me ask you a question. Why is this a test? Do you think Satan is going to confess that? Do you think Satan is going to confess that Jesus is God with skin on him? No. He's not going to. And those that belong to him are not going to either. They're going to reject that. Why? Because he wants to be God. He claims to be God. In John 1, 14, it says this, the Gospel of John. It says, so the Word became human. Why does it keep using the word Word? Word, capital W. It, is, it denounces, it denotes, excuse me, it denotes a person. A person became the Word, and the Word became a person. The Word became human. And made his home among us on planet earth. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We've seen his glory. The glory of the father's one and only son. The word became human. Maybe this will help. The word became human. That which created became flesh. The person, the Word is a person. The Creator person became a man. He became man. God was skin on him. Do you know how many churches today deny the virgin birth of Christ? So let's start there. I've always found that to be fundamentally, I don't know how you can do it. There are many churches in America today that deny the, even the virgin birth of Christ, denying that God became a man. Where do you think that comes from? Do you, do you think, let me do this. Do you think the church that concluded that there is no virgin birth, that God did not become a man, do you think they got that from this or they got that from this, the other spirit? They didn't get that from this. They got that from somewhere else. If we're in a spirit war and there are two spirits, one holy, one unholy, one, there's a test. One acknowledged, one spirit, the Holy Spirit acknowledges that God came in the flesh, that the Christ became a man. The other one refuses to acknowledge it. So where does the church that denies the divinity of Christ, the virgin birth, where does it get it? From the spirit of Antichrist. You say, well, okay, okay, I get that. But no, no, it's even deeper. It's even deeper. That same spirit of Antichrist says this. You can acknowledge Jesus as Christ, but you don't need this. You don't need the Word. You can, you, they, they'll tell you, the same group that says they reject the virgin birth will tell you you won't need this to know Jesus. You see how they do it? It's the spirit of Antichrist. Do you remember? So let me, let me show this to you. Do you remember the temptations of Jesus in the wilderness? So what is Satan trying to do to God's Christ, God's only begotten son, when he brings him into the wilderness for tempting? So let me set it up. Jesus is about 30 years old, and he, he, his time has come. 
So the, he, he goes to the River Jordan. John the Baptizer baptizes him in the Jordan River. The, uh, the Holy Spirit descends out of heaven on Jesus, and God speaks audibly, says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and, in, and the Bible says, and immediately he's taken from that scene into the wilderness where he is tempted and tested by Satan. Satan will try in that scene to deny the deity of Christ, to deny that God became a man. How? Because in his interaction with Jesus, he says, if you are the Christ, do this. What's he attacking? If you are who you say you are. He's attacking his identity. So let's go read one of those. Matthew 4, verse 3. During that time, the devil came and said to him, to Jesus, if you are the Son of God. You see, here's the test. If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. And, and you might think, okay, I get it. But no, you, you missed the power of Jesus' no is what he says next. No, the scriptures say. What? No. The scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word. Every word. Every word. You see what he's highlighting? The word. No. The scripture. The word. People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You know what he's doing? He's quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, to Satan in the wilderness as he attacks his deity. Why? Because the word became flesh. You see, this idea that you can be a church and there's no virgin birth, the idea you can be a church and you don't even need to read the Bible, that you've got your own source of enlightenment somewhere over here in the clouds, it's called the spirit of Antichrist. It gets more. Verse 5, then the devil, yeah, that didn't work, so then the devil took him to the holy city Jerusalem to the highest part of the temple, highest point of the temple, and he said, if you are the son of God, here it comes again, he's attacking his identity. If you are the son of God, jump off. And now the devil, he's clever. Now he's going to quote the scripture. Huh? He knows the Bible? He does. He's going to quote Psalms 91. And he says, for he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Psalms 91. And Jesus said, no. For the scriptures say. Do you see it? How does Jesus confront the Spirit, the Word? How does He confront? How does He? So let me back up. So John tells us, test the Spirit. Test the Spirit. Test the Spirit. For not every Spirit is of God. Test the Spirit. So how does Jesus test the Spirit? For the Scriptures say. For the Scriptures say. For the Scriptures say. So how are you going to test the Spirit? For the scriptures say. For the scriptures say. You see how important it is? Jesus quotes the word. So let me make this part really simple. All right? Really simple. If you really believe there was a man walking around on the earth that was God with skin on him, you would follow him. Put yourself then, put yourself today. In that moment, when, when, when Jesus appears in the flesh... He's got 33 years walking around on the earth. And any time inside that 33 years, well, let's focus on the last three. Okay, that's when he's revealing his true identity, his messiahship. 
If at any point in those three years, you believe that he's God, the creator of the universe, the I am wrapped in human skin, you would follow him. Don't tell me you wouldn't because you know you would. You see, the essence of following him would be that you understand who he really is. He's God wrapped in human flesh. And you conclude he's God wrapped in human flesh. Following him is not going to be your issue anymore. Your issue is going to be, how am I going to keep up? Not following him. There's a second part to that realization. That once you acknowledge that he's God with skin on him, let's bring it to today. There's a second thing. Not only would you follow him, you would read the book that bears his name. Yeah, you would. You would read the book that bears his name. Church, it is your only protection in this spirit war. You think you don't need it, which means that you think that the spirit of Antichrist can't have any influence over you. But it does. Test the spirit by receiving the word. And I'll tell you, the word became human. So let's go to Colossians. And I want to tell you, what does victory look like in the spirit war? Is when you finally come to conclude this. Verse 15, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. You need to let that sink in. He's the visible image, what you can see, of the invisible God that you cannot see. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, Jesus, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers. Can you see any of these in the heavenly realms? No, you can't. They're all from him. Thrones, rulers, kingdoms, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else. And he, right now, he holds everything together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over, over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything for God in all of his fullness. This verse always gets me because it, it's like I can't, my mind can't hold it. God and all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Let me, let me put it again. That the endless eternal God, Alpha Omega, without beginning, without end, was pleased to put himself inside of a human body. And the moment you conclude that that indeed is true, you will follow him. Yes, you will. Verse 20, and through him... God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Is Jesus the visible image of the invisible God? You know, eventually, it's a yes or no question. Is Jesus God with skin on him? It's a yes or no question. Was God the Father pleased to place all his fullness in Christ the Son? Yes or no? Satan will never acknowledge Jesus as God. Do you know why? Because he wants to be God himself. What does the Antichrist, let me prove it to you. What does the Antichrist do after the church is taken out of the way? Satan will never acknowledge what you and I are called to confess. 
I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe Jesus Christ is Lord, Master. Satan will never do it. Why? Because he wants the job. And he's not going to confess it upon somebody else, the job that he desires for himself. Let me prove it to you. After the rapture of the church, and I believe the church will be taken before the tribulation begins, Satan, the Antichrist, will be revealed through a man named uh, the Antichrist. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3. Don't be fooled by what they say. That day will not come until there's a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The one who brings destruction. That destruction is the tribulation. He, the Antichrist, will exalt himself and defy everything that people call God. Why? Because he wants to be God. And he will defy every object of worship. Why? Because he wants to be the object of worship. He will even sit in the temple of God claiming that he himself is God. Why? Because he wants the job. He thinks he is God. Do you see it? There are only two spirits on the earth. Spirits can put thoughts in your minds, true thoughts or untrue thoughts. The Holy Spirit will reveal the Word. The Word reveals Jesus as the Son of God. The unholy spirit of Antichrist will deny this truth leaving a person's mind and heart open to the spirit of Antichrist, the evil one, the other voice, the other word. If you don't have the truth, you are subject to the lie. Maybe this next context will help you understand why the teaching of the Apostle Paul. Romans chapter 10. This is so crucial in the spirit war. Listen, I'm going to explain why. He says this, if you confess with your mouth what? Jesus is Lord. Let's do it out loud. Jesus is Lord. Do it out loud. Jesus is Lord. Any spirit of Antichrist in here just got messed up. Why? Because he'll never do it. This is the test. This is the test. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. That's called faith. And it's by confessing with your mouth that which you believe in your heart that you are saved. Why is it important to confess with my mouth what I believe in my heart? Why is it important? Because you're in a spiritual war. And it is the tool that overcomes the adversary. He overcomes the spirit of Antichrist. Now, put that teaching that I just read next to the Apostle John in our series. I'm going to go back and read verse 2 and 3 again. This is how we know if they have the spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the spirit of God. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person's not from God. Such a person has the spirit of Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world. Indeed, it is already here. Satan will do anything and everything to keep a person from confessing Jesus is Lord. You need to know the truth. Satan will do anything and everything to keep those words from coming out of your mouth. Jesus is Lord, because you're saying Jesus is master. And if Jesus is your master, then the Antichrist or the spirit of Antichrist or Satan could never be that person. There's conflict. 
Why do we say these words? You notice when we baptize somebody, we always say the same thing. I mean, come on, guys, can't you come up with something new? What do we say? What do we ask that person to say in the baptistry? I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Why? Because in that moment, there is victory over the spirit realm. It is the test. We openly and publicly confess with our mouth the spirit war. Jesus is the Christ. Satan, the spirit of Antichrist, will do anything to keep you from receiving the word of truth that reveals Jesus as God, as Emmanuel, God with us. Now for the good news. In church, we need some good news. Here's the good news. And I wish I could sit here and confidently say it applies to everybody in this room, but I highly doubt it. So let me qualify it. If you are in Christ today, if you are born again today and the Holy Spirit of Christ lives in you, you are a blood-bought child of God, then this has application in your life. Verse 4, you belong to God. You belong to God, not the world, not the spirit of Antichrist. You belong to God, my dear children. And you have already, notice I love the word already. You've already won a victory over those people because the spirit who lives in you already is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. But there are two spirits. If you are a child of God, know this, that you've already achieved the victory. The spirit in you, which is Christ, is greater than the spirit of Antichrist in the world. Verse 5, those people belong to the world. This world. So they speak from the world's viewpoint and the world listens to them. But we, we're different. We belong to God. And those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. That is how we know if someone has the spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Belong to God. Let me put the words different. Possessed by God. So if I looked at you today and say, are you possessed by a spirit? Maybe you'd run from me. I don't know. Are you possessed by a spirit? Let me give you a spiritual truth. We are all possessed by a spirit. The question is, which one? The Holy Spirit of Christ or the unholy spirit of Antichrist? And I know when I say something that way, people will say, yeah, 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 yeah. Do you believe in the spirit war? Because I can tell you one day you will. When your eyes are open to see it. If you belong to this world, you are living under the spirit power of this world. And I'm going to tell you, in love, you are lost. If you belong to this world, you are living under the spirit power of this world. And you are lost. Unless something changes, you are lost. Those who belong to this world refuse to accept the word that reveals that Jesus is God in the flesh. The word became flesh and blood human, Emmanuel, God with us. Let me put it this simply. If you reject the Bible, you reject Jesus, the word. You reject life. Those who belong to this world see us as foolish People with a foolish message. <clears throat> I'll admit that there was a time that that bothered me. Early on, the idea that someone would look at me and think, you're just a foolish preacher with a foolish message. That doesn't bother me so much anymore. 
In 1 Corinthians 1.18, it says, the message of the cross is foolish. To whom? The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. What's the power of God? The message of the cross. How would you know about it? Apart from this, how would you ever know it? And as the scriptures say, here comes the authority, I will destroy the wise. The wis- I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers of the world, the scholars of the world, the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish. And since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. Let me pause. The human intellect will never know God. It's impossible. He says the world will never know him through human wisdom. So we are never going to come to our own private conclusion that God is real. Or that Jesus is the son of God. God wrapped in human flesh. So what, how does he do it? So how, does any, how do any of us find this out? So he has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe. That blows my mind. It does. Um, the human intellect could never grasp it. So what he did was he put the Holy Spirit inside of people and he sent those people with Christ inside of them and the word inside of them out into the world to deliver a message that the world called foolishness. But many of them believed it. And then they took it and they carried it and they gave it to somebody and they believed it. And then they carried it to somebody and they believed it. And here we are 2,000 years later and the house is full. Foolish preaching. To the world I am a fool. I get it. But to the church, the legitimate children of God, I speak the words of life. I speak life into this room. If you belong to Christ, you have already won the victory. Today, I want you to understand you have passed from death to life. If you're in Christ today, understand you've already passed from death to life. You're just waiting for a new body to put it in. You've already passed over. The Spirit of Christ in you is life in you. You will never die. You will never die. Your body might die. They might fold your tent up, your body, and put it away somewhere, but you will never die. It changes how you look at the whole world. You will never die. Do you believe this? Satan can't cast out Christ, but Christ can cast out Satan. You see the difference? Which spirit do you want to belong to, life or death? The spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. You've already crossed over. You've already passed from death to life. You remember reading about Jesus casting out demons and evil spirits in the Gospels? It's scattered throughout the Gospels. Did you ever read about Satan casting out the Holy Spirit of Jesus? No. Why? He can't. In the wilderness, who left when the word was read? In the wilderness, when he's being tempted, who left when the word was read? Jesus didn't leave. Satan did. Who do you belong to today? Church. Who do you belong to today? What spirit is leading you? Speaking to your spirit. What spirit? And do you believe in a spirit war? So I've got two stories I want to read quickly. And this is probably the most revealing point today. So I'm asking you to pay 
careful attention in the spirit war. Mark 1.23, suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit began shouting. So let's just set the scene. There's a man who has a demonic spirit inside of him. So I've asked you how many times do you believe in a spirit war? You will. Well, I'm going to tell you this guy probably didn't, but he does. Because now there's one in him. Suddenly a man in the synagogue who's possessed by an evil spirit began shouting. <clears throat> and what's he shouting? Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. The Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be quiet. Come out of him. He ordered at that at that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion, and then came out. So here's my question. Listen, church. Why didn't the evil spirit just say, no, I ain't leaving? That should be all you need to know about today's message. Why didn't the evil spirit just say, no? Because he can't. There is a power that is greater than any other power. And when he says to a demonic spirit power, get out, that power gets out. The unholy demonic spirits are under the power of the unholy evil one, Satan. But here's what's interesting. They know the real power of Jesus. Now that's a mystery in itself. They know the real power of Jesus. What did he say? I know you are the Holy One sent of God. So here's a man possessed by a demon. The demon says, I know that you are the Holy One sent of God. Now, probably no one in that circle except Jesus knew that. But that demon knows it. He knows it. It happens again. Let's go down to Mark 5 verse 6. It happens again. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, demonic possessed man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. And then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because there are many of us inside of this man. You know, maybe he was a guy who didn't believe in spirits either. But he does now. There are many. Legion inside of him. And then the evil spirit begged. Notice the word. Begged Jesus again and again. Not to send them, not to send all these evil spirits to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, send us into the pigs, the spirits begged, begged, begged. Why are they begging? Because they know who the power is. Let us enter them. Today I declare the spirit war, it's real. Demonic powers, the spirit of antichrist, false gods, idolatry, it's real. If you want to scoff at it, you'll do so at your own peril. You want to say, I don't believe in this stuff, you'll do so at your own peril. One day you will. Are you possessed by a spirit today? Holy or unholy? Demonic or godly? Test the spirit. Church, test the spirit. That's John's message to the church. Test it. 
How? By the Word of God, by the Word of truth, the Bible. We are in a great spirit war that will determine our eternity. So let's go back to 1 John chapter 4. Let's go to verse 7. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. And anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And God showed how much He loved us by sending us His one and only Son, sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. And this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. There's that whole Jesus says, my Father, God is spirit. No one has ever seen God, but He's a spirit, right? But if we love each other, God lives in us. What spirit do you want in you? But if we love each other, God lives in us, and His love is brought to full expression in us. We are in a spirit war, and our survival is God lives in us. We belong to Him. I said a couple of weeks ago, I'm going to say it again. The blood-bought children of God will be the only survivors of the spirit war. Somebody told you the truth. The blood-bought children of God, born-again children of God, are going to be the only survivors in this spirit war. The Spirit of Christ has overcome the spirit of Antichrist. Next verse, verse 13. And God has given us His Spirit. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And God has given us His Spirit as proof that we live in Him and He lives in us. Proof. What's the proof that you have salvation? Christ in me. Furthermore, we have seen with our own eyes and now testify that the Father sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. And all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. Let's say it out loud. Jesus is the Son of God. Say it out loud. Jesus is the Son of God. We're just messing up the spirit of Antichrist schedule today. And all who confess that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. And they live in God. And we know how much God loves us. And we have put our trust in His love. God is love, and all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. All who confess to this world that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them, and they live in God. That's this thing here, right here. This is why Satan and those who are deceived by the spirit of Antichrist will never confess Jesus as Lord. They will never confess Jesus as Lord. They will never bow down to Him. Even though the demons confess Jesus as the Holy Son of God. Listen carefully. The demons cried out, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. They know. Then what's the problem with their demons? They had already chosen to bow to the other God. Is anybody listening? Why did the demons become demons? Why are they trapped inside of 
this lost condition. Because we know that you are the Holy One of God. Is knowing that enough? No, they never bowed to him. They bowed to the other one. They bowed to the spirit of Satan. Let me prove it to you. This is a mystery verse. I don't think it's a mystery verse. Let's call it a conviction verse. James 2.19. Church, you say you have faith. Everybody listen. You say you have faith, for you believe there's one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this. And they, are, they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? So, so you read that and think, I, I don't understand. You see, there's more to salvation than believing there's one God. There's more to salvation than believing the existence of God. Churches are filled with people who believe that there's one God, but they're lost. Why? What about the demons? They believe there was one God. We know that you're the Holy One of God. So why are they lost? They never bowed. They never bowed their lives. You know, Jesus says, unless you deny yourself, take up a cross to follow me, you will never be my disciple. You cannot be my follower. You got to bow down to him. You don't just acknowledge he's real. Good for you. So if today you're in the room today and you believe there's one God, congratulations. You've been promoted to demonic status. But the demons can't bow. They've already bowed. They've already chosen. They joined in the rebellion against God. They're lost. And now here we are. It's our time. And many acknowledge the existence of God. But let's be honest. You refuse to bow your life to him. You will not surrender yourself into his hands. You will not live by faith. Many in the church are filled with people who believe in the existence of God, but will not bow themselves to him. The demons know what they don't want you to know. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's God in the flesh. This is what Satan wants to keep you from knowing and confessing so that you would belong to him. That's why Satan's power ultimately is deception. Those who belong to God and have confessed Christ as their Lord and King, we don't fear the day of judgment. We're excited about the day of judgment. Let me ask you, when, I, when you read the book of Revelation, does it scare you? Most people it does, be honest. Does the grave scare you? Why? Be honest today, is your life, many churches are filled with people who confess that they are believers and they are gripped with fear. Everything about their life is fear. I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that, I'm afraid of everything. Why are you afraid? Next verse, verse 17. And as we live in God, our love grows more and more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. So we'll not be afraid on the day of judgment. We can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. And if we are a fear, if we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. If someone says, I love God, but hates a Christian brother or sister, that person's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God who we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their Christian brothers and sisters. Now, I'm going to confess today. I'm not going to say that I never experience fear. I do. Sometimes I have moments that I have fear 
like everybody else, but I can tell you, I don't fear death. I fear the process of dying. Yes, I do, but I don't fear death. In fact, there's a lot of times, uh, I like the Apostle Paul, I think that would be a welcome thing to just be able to cross over, to just stop the fight and cross over. The process of dying is a frightening thing, to be told you got cancer and you got to go through a long sickness, but I don't fear death. But I can tell you with all of my heart that I long for the coming of Christ. That's why I talk about it all the time, because I can't help it. It's the, it's the goal and purpose of my life. Why? 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 Why are you like that? Because I am possessed by a spirit. Do you understand? Some of you do, some of you do not. I am possessed by a spirit, and that spirit has taken hold of my mind and taken hold of my heart. And I have bowed my life, everything I have, to this spirit. And I worship him. I am his servant. He is my master. I live to please him. I am under the control of the spirit, and I belong to the spirit, the spirit of Christ. And thus I can say I am one of the blood-bought children of the Most High God. And here's my closing today. Who do you belong to? Who has possession of you? Do you think you can be neutral in the spirit war? Do you realize that everyone is possessed by a spirit? The question is which one? You do not live unto yourselves and you will not die unto yourselves you belong to someone greater than you are. We began today with the Apostle John giving us all warnings about these false prophets. Test the Spirit. Today I close by reading to you what the Apostle Paul wrote to the elders at the church at Ephesus right before he got on the boat and went to Jerusalem knowing he would never return. Today I'm asking you this. As I read this, listen carefully to his warning. And put it beside the one from the Apostle John. These two apostles, one to the Gentiles, one to the Jews, both warned the church the same warning. Here it comes. Acts 20, verse 25. And now, I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So guard yourselves. See the war? Guard yourselves and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, His church, purchased with His own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as elders. I know, Paul says to the church, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you will come in among you after I leave and not sparing the flock. And even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth in order to draw a following. His church, purchased with his own blood, possessed by the Spirit of Christ, understand today that we are the blood-bought children of the Most High God. Most High God, celebrate our victories as we confess our Savior openly without apology to the lost world. But the warning is real. The war is real. Paul says, I know that false teachers like vicious wolves are going to come in among the church after I leave, and they will not spare the flock. 
Even some are going to rise up inside the church and distort the truth and drag many away by the spirit of Antichrist. Paul gladly referred to himself as a slave of Christ, purchased by the blood, slave, purchased, master, slave, relationship. He didn't run from it. He ran to it. Gladly a slave, a slave, redeemed and purchased by the precious blood of the Son of God. So one last time, do you believe in spirits? Do you believe these spirits can put thoughts into your mind and heart? And if so, what is the spirit telling you right now? When people come forward, lots of times I say the same thing. At the end of a church, we have an invitation. I'll say, what's the spirit saying to you? What's the spirit saying to you? What's the spirit saying to you? Is he saying to you, Jesus is Lord, God in the flesh, come down to the earth to redeem your soul from sin, death, and hell? Is he saying to you today the message that was preached on the very first day the church became the church? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Is he saying that to you today? Because I got to tell you, there's another voice. There's another voice that's saying right now, I wish he'd shut up and sit down. And here he is up there. He's already confessed. He's got a spirit, some kind of a, he's possessed. I wonder if we'll even get out of here without something terrible happening. Spirit demons and spirit wars. You say you have faith? For you believe there's one God? Good for you. Even the demons believe there's one God. And they tremble in terror. Why? They're lost. They know who the one true God is and they're still lost. Because they align their lives in a spiritual rebellion against God with Satan. And that spirit power is working right now. Last scriptures, Hebrews 4.1. God promises. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. So we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. I'll ask Chad to come on out. Let me read it again. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. As of this moment, as of this moment is 1205. God's promise of entering his rest still stands. And you ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. I am not naive. I got over that a long time ago. In all likelihood, there are people in this audience today inside this room that a hundred years from now, you will be in hell. It's highly likely. And you knew all you needed to know, but you never quite surrendered yourself to God. You had no intention of bowing yourself down. And that's why the gospel message to the world is foolishness. Because you don't think that that will be necessary. But you're not God. And you didn't give your only son to save the world. He did. So today, which spirit will you listen to? Listen, if you're the blood-bought children of the Most High God, sing this song, celebrate your, your salvation. We've crossed over from death to life. We ought to smile so much our jaw hurts. But today, if you, do, if you cannot say, if you cannot say with confidence, Christ lives in me this moment, and you walk out that door today, you condemn yourself. He did not condemn you. 
you condemned you. Because as of right now, the door's still open. Salvation is yours. You can become a child of God. Father in heaven, we ask for mercy. For none of us in our own intellect will ever know who you are. We'll never find you. We'll never look for you. But through this foolish preaching, you bring people to salvation. This message that the world calls foolishness is life and death. It's life itself. So, Father, your Holy Spirit is the only hope we have that you would reveal yourself to us. Would you do that today? In Jesus' name, amen. The invitation's open. Let's stand.